Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 56 of the Stomp the Bus show. And after a terrible start to the season, the Sun Devils suffer another loss, but this one felt much different than the other two. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. I'm your host, Mark Harris, alongside Colton Dodgson. Please like and subscribe on YouTube. Rate and review on your podcast app of choice. And let's get into it. Colton, that was... That was a fun game. (laughs) That was a really fun game against USC. Yeah, I was going to say by far the most um, the most watchable game of the season, I would say, which is uh, which was progress, I would think. Um, Yeah, a lot of fun. It was a a lot of fun to watch, Um, a lot of fun to watch for assorted reasons, depending on what your your vested interest in that game was. Hey, they easily Um, cover. Uh, yeah, the easily covered as, as home dogs, but uh, a lot of points too, which is never a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, first, first game of Dillingham calling plays and you could tell the thing I really liked about this game, the approach was like, there was a level of desperation and aggressiveness that look, that that's what this team needs. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, definitely even with, the, like, even with the Dillingham calling plays and just better offensive execution, you could still tell the offense, like the offensive line injuries were still there. Like Drew Pine got, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he got sacked a good amount of times. Some of that was on him. Uh, but I liked how they worked around it, you know, for the most part. Like, you know, you, you're not going to get a, Cam Scadabo breaks two tackles in the open field to score a touchdown on a reception every game. But, like, you know, that, that kind of stuff happens. And I liked how much they use Scadabo. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's an awesome player, man. Like, he, he really did it all. Right. And, I mean, they're coming off a game in which they scored zero points. So, <laughs> uh, Scadabo scoring at any point is good, let alone scoring against, against USC. And the, the, the story on USC coming into the season was uh, great offense, and it was kind of the tail last year, too. Great offense, vulnerable defense. But we hadn't seen that, um, I would say, since they opened up against Nevada. Or, wait, they, they played in – yeah, they played in week zero. Yeah. Uh, since that week one game against uh, Nevada, you know, they had the, the game against Stanford. That is they held, well, they had they had played oh, right. Nevada, too. I'm just saying, like, beyond the week zero game. That's the last right. time that defense looked vulnerable. Um, but playing uh, Stanford and then um, whoever they had after Stanford, I'm, I'm drawing the blank on that. But – Uh, The point being that defense hasn't looked vulnerable in in quite some time. And and I think they were starting to get a little bit of a a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. And that's kind of where we saw that that USC 34 and a half come from. But um, ASU did what, you know, played desperate. And that's that's what you have to do when a team like USC comes to your your home stadium for for the last time. So um, they put up much more of a fight than I thought they would. Uh, USC 34 and a half was a pretty trendy pick for some people. Um, but yeah, uh, keeping it close. I mean, this game wasn't out of out of reach until the very end. It, I'll be yeah. honest, watching the game, it never really felt like it was one they were going to win. Um, I, I, I was never watching that game thinking, okay, we have a shot to pull the upset here. Granted, I had... Uh, I had some other motivations uh, for for some other rooting interests in this game. But regardless, you're never watching it thinking like, oh, I, at least from my perspective, and I don't know how you felt about it, like ASU could win this game. I don't think it ever felt that way, but it felt like they were much more competent than, they, than they've looked under Dillingham to this point against the best team by far that they've played. Um, and quite possibly will play this season. Yeah. No, I, that is a perfect way of describing it because that's exactly what I was feeling up in the stands. I was just, you know, because like, look, ASU was in this game until pretty much like a few minutes left in the fourth quarter whenever USC got that that last touchdown to make it a 14-point game. 
But yeah, Taj Washington, 45 yard touchdown pass, uh, seven minutes left in the game. That was that was the kicker. But I mean, it was 7-0, 7 7 7 7 7 7 7 7 7 ASU hung around in this game. They did not make it easy. They they had five, you know, separate scoring drives. Obviously, two were field goals, but it and 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 you're right that like I don't think I don't think many ASU fans like as they were watching that game be like, oh, ASU actually is capable of winning this game. But right. like the score, like they kept they kept it close for a long time. And if you do like that's one of those games if like if you play it a hundred times ASU probably wins like eight of them, but they, they kept it close. Like they kept it close. And if you keep it close, like you never know what's going to happen, you know? And so it, it was just, it was just such an encouraging performance, honestly. And the whole, the whole time I was thinking like if ASU could like bottle up everything they had from this game, which by the way, they did not play perfectly in either. This is a game drew pine through a pick, took some bad sacks. Um, and, you know, like, defense had a few plays they probably want back, although not too many, though. I think the defense really showed out in this game. Um, but just by keeping it this close, it just showed me that, like, one, Dillingham's message is getting through to these guys. They aren't, like, quitting or anything. He's a good play caller, as we saw at Oregon. Um, and I, I just was thinking, like, if you could just bottle up everything from this game, from this ASU performance that was an uneven performance and just put it into the next game. Like if you just could rep- replicate the performance into the, all the rest of the games we play, then this season starts to feel a lot different, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, I completely agree. You never knew. I mean, you kind of said it last week, had they hit rock bottom after that Fresno state game and felt like um, it. Yeah. It, de- it definitely did feel like it. I agree with you. And I mean, if that – the thing about rock bottom, especially so early in the season, if that was their rock bottom, the only way to go is up, right? right. And this definitely felt like a step in the right direction. I, I was uh, – I can't remember what analogy Dillingham used, but he, he mentioned – I think it was bamboo. bamboo He's talking yeah. about bamboo or whatever he said where, you know, and it's that corny football guy stuff that you hear. Um, Nick Sirianni did the same thing, talking about, like, watering the – the the pavement and eventually a weed busts through whatever it's the classic football guy like we have to put in the work now to see the results later and you kind of roll your eyes at it a little bit um but I mean even in a season where there's obviously been a lot more lowlights than than highlights to this point I would say if if you're getting performances like this one, even on a somewhat sporadic basis, regardless of what's going on, I you know, I, you don't want to see any regression, I guess. So let me rephrase that. You don't really want to see them take any steps back. But if they can build on something like this, I mean, keeping it close against a team that was projected to beat them by five touchdowns. Right. I, I mean, this is definitely something to build on. And I think the progress we see from this point on is going to be a better representation on if the bamboo is actually being watered. <laughs> if, there you go. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's totally. And one thing from this game on offense, especially is like the people who like we talked about before the season is like, the, like the, these are playmakers on offense. They all showed up. Cam Scadabo. I mean, obviously like this dude was incredible. <laughs> Mm-hmm. 20 carries 111 yards everyone saw the 52 yard touchdown pass that he caught and it, i mean in the stadium just reacting that was the most like hype i've been in a day like that was just like such an awesome play um two passes for 42 yards and by the way he almost hit uh kyson brown in the end zone for an, another touchdown pass so that could that's why i say like they didn't even play a perfect game and they still like was close with USC for most of the game. Uh, obviously, Elijah Badger has a touchdown pass, nine catches, eighty-eight yards, and then Jalen Conyers didn't have like his best game, but five catches for seventy-one yards. Like 
that's good. <laughs> like that's, I'll take it, especially if you're if if it's your third leading receiver for that game too. So, I I I think that like just getting continuity with having your best playmakers have the ball. Yeah, and I mean, I'm even gonna, in a I'm game going where, to... right, even in a game where Guillory doesn't have a catch, <laughs> like Guillory did not show up on this on. on on the box score at all. He had no catches in this game. He was targeted like six or seven times. I was looking back at it and I'm like, what, what happened? Did he get hurt? But no, he played into the fourth quarter. They just couldn't connect with him. So uh, Badgers and Con- uh, Badger, excuse me, Conyers Badgers. and, and Scadaboo. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, Badger, Conyers and, and Scadaboo really just shouldering the offensive load here, which is, uh, I mean, no, I don't know what anybody else was going to do, but those guys, those three guys really, really stepped up. Um, and I mean, Pine looked solid too. There was moments where obviously he looked a little shaky. We've seen shaky quarterback play this entire season with obviously all of the challenges that they've run into um, with, you know, the, the uh, Rashada injury and, and everything else that they're dealing with right. there uh, for gay hurting his foot. Um but I mean, Pine made some plays in this game. That, that ball to to Badger in the end zone, all of those things. So um, obviously, Scadaboo put this entire offense on his back. But at the very least, we saw kind of what we expected from Pine in terms of that guy that's not going to take over a game and win it, but won't necessarily lose you the game either. Uh, yeah. Like a kind of a high floor guy, which is I what I expected out of him coming into this season if we were going to see him uh, and I think he kind of he, he lived up to that a little bit in this game not perfect but wasn't the reason they lost the game by any means either yeah I'm kind of yeah Pine is high floor guys a good way that you described him because I don't think he was like great in this game but he also like he looks so bad against Fresno State and clearly there is an element of rust there like he looked like someone who like hadn't played football in years and like mm-hmm. got elevated from an intramural team or something like he just didn't look you know, just wasn't ready for contact at all looked much better in this game of course he suffers an in or like he's not going to be uh playing against cal this weekend it's going to be Bourdais. right um but in the game he looked he just looked like a competent power five quarterback he didn't look great um but that's like that's what we like you said that's what we expected from him this year and I think the fact that he was able to look that way is encouraging in the sense of like Dillingham was creating plays that featured him well and you know obviously there was they he can't do anything about the lack of protection and that's why he got sacked eight times or part of the reason some of it was just him holding onto the ball uh, but the offense looked like a competent offense and they didn't even have great quarterback play you know they just had like solid power five standard level uh quarterback play and you know that's an encouraging thing too because if you're just if this game was like drew pine was awesome and you know that he was completing all these like tight window throws to badger and conyers down the field like that would still be awesome but i think the fact that they were able to have such a great offensive game and the quarterback was like average, you know, I think that's a good sign moving into the future, especially since he's not going to like Pine's going to be out for a little bit. Now it's Borgay who's coming in and like, hopefully Borgay can stay healthy because I don't, I don't want to test that theory with uh, Jacob Conover in there, but yeah, um, you can only, you can only run through so many quarterbacks, um, yeah. especially on a team that's, you know, still trying to, to build something here. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, the offense looked a little more explosive. They had eight play, eight passing plays oh. with that gained fifteen or more yards. Five rushing plays that gained ten or more yards. It wasn't like, and again, that's that's more of the USC. I think this was some regression to the mean a little bit defensively for USC. I don't think that they're a great defensive team at all, but they had played solid defense the last two weeks. I think this was some positive. This was some progression for ASU offensively, and maybe that can be attributed to to Dillingham taking over the, the play calling this week and some continuity between him and Pine now that you know, Pine had a week of prep as as the guy for, for USC. 
maybe we saw some of that continuity, which is kind of unfortunate considering we won't see Pine for a while now. Uh, you kind of hit on that a little bit. So hopefully that continuity carries over to uh, to Borgay and they can, they can kind of pick up where they left off a little bit. I, I have to admit it was a limited sample in that Fresno State game before Borgay got hurt, but it also wasn't very encouraging <laughs> what we no. saw from Borgay before he, he got hurt. Um, so hopefully that was just chalk it up to early season stuff, but I guess we'll see. We don't really – he he's going to be the guy. We're not going to see Rashada or Pine for – quite some time so it's yeah. it's Borgay and, and we'll see what happens the thing with Borgay I I trust him to be like what he was last year and you can go with that any different way you know you could say you could say oh this is who he was against Washington when they upset the Huskies or you could point to how he played on the road at Wazoo and got benched in the second half like I think but but then again I think that's like a power five average type quarterback. And so if you have Borgay for whatever, the next two games until you're by, like, who you know, like, you know, like maybe you can, it, it's all about just like running a functional offense, you know? And like, that sounds dumb to say, but that's not what was happening <laughs> for pretty much the entire season up to this game. Most right. of it. No, I don't think that's as dumb. I don't think that's dumb at all. I think that's exactly what no, it that's is. Done. Done. Yeah. I did. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. No, I, I was just going to say, too, I think continuity, and that's kind of what we've both hit on a little bit, is, has been the biggest thing that's been lacking, right? And, like, yeah. building building that offense and, and, and building on what they've done so far is going to take, like, a level of comfort on Dillingham's part to call what he wants to call and, and feel confident in the fact that he has a quarterback that can run the type of offense he wants to run. And a quarterback who can execute that at a high level, right? It, it, it cuts both ways there. So, um, again, we'll, we'll see what we got with Borgay this season. Uh, he was a little back and forth last year. Was, I mean, we talked about it in the offseason coming into this year, how we both – and we talked with, um, with Ralph, Ralph yeah. about this too, talking about how Borgay should be the guy and, and the talent level that Borgay uh, – the talent that Borgay is – so it'll be interesting. He's got his chance now again, and nobody's going to be uh, barring injury. We probably won't see Conover. It's probably going to end up being Borgay's show um, for the foreseeable future, regardless. I, I mean, however long Pine is out. But uh, again, I want to see that that continuity develop a little bit on this offense. And now that we know. I mean, Dillingham took over play calling. He's not going to give it back, right? Like, this is this is kind of Dillingham showing his poor game. Not after show, last year. Right, not right. For better or worse. Game. For yeah. better or worse, these are the two guys. Um, and they're going to have to figure it out together at this point and at least be competitive, right? Yeah. That's that's all we're asking here. We're not asking them to go out and pull off upsets as 12-point dogs. That's what a lot of this season is going to be. All we're asking for is is incremental game or gains, and then maybe by the end of the season you put a product together that could maybe steal a game or two. But uh, I'm not optimistic so much in wins. <laughs> oh yeah, the winning like I don't want to like we're going to talk about this later in the show, but like these next two games against Cal and Colorado, they are winnable. Mm -hmm. But I, I'm not going to be like, oh, they're ASU's going to win. Um, now, maybe if Colorado suffers some more injuries against USC, then maybe I will move towards ASU because I think – I a, look, I'll say this. ASU's defense is better than, like, Colorado's defense. And a, ASU's defense, like – I look, the final number – look, they gave up 42 points and USC ran for 213 yards on them too. So, like, it wasn't some perfect game. But – they, first of all, they made USC punt twice. <laughs> so <laughs> That's a we got to see Eddie Chaplitsky at Sun Devil Stadium once again. Um, and, like, I didn't expect them to force USC to punt twice. <laughs> like, you know, and one of those was in the first half, too. So, like, that is a good sign from the defense. They put pressure on Williams. Obviously, he was able to get away a few times and make some, you know, crazy Caleb Williams plays. Can't really do anything about that. 
uh, I, I'm just, I am encouraged by this defense. And I think that I really want to see how they look against Cal this weekend because, uh, you know, whatever, like Cal's offense isn't that good. It's better than maybe it has been in years past, but I, I don't think it's some, it's not USC. It's not, it's probably not even Fresno State's offense, honestly. So I, I think that there's a real potential there to have a, like, I think there's potential to give up like less than 20 points to Cal on the road. I don't, you know, we don't know if that's going to happen, but it's, the defense looks like it, it looks real. It doesn't look like it's like it, it, it played USC's offense better than any other team they played. And I, you know, that sounds, Definitely. yeah. And they, they haven't played great teams, but they held USC them under the 50 points. That doesn't happen very yeah. often in this. Or it hasn't happened very often in, in the Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams short era. But no, and, it's something yeah, exactly. that a lot of teams don't do, and they held them to under 50 points. So. Exactly, yeah. And they had to work for those – like, it wasn't just, you know, easy to do. Like, they had – they held them to some field goals. And, you know, I'm encouraged with it. I really am. And so, obviously, you're grading on a curve against USC. And, you know, I'm not expecting them to go up to Seattle and hold the Huskies to, like, 25 points or anything. Like – like when you're playing some of these insane offenses in the Pac-12 this year, you just got to tip your hat. Like it right. is what it is. But uh, just to to actually like show like a meaningful, like tangible, like hey, like ASU's defense actually made things more difficult for USC. Like the, you know, I've I've said it already in this, but it's really encouraging. Hundred percent, I completely agree. Um, I, I think looking at this schedule. Cal might be next to U of A, the last truly in Colorado to an extent. Um, and you can rank those three however you see fit. Um, one of the last, like, most winnable games on this schedule. Yeah. It's going to be extremely tough. So once you move beyond this game against Cal, there, there's not going to be a lot of opportunity for for wins, truthfully. Um so whatever happens against Cal, it's going to be a good sort of litmus test for for where they are against teams that are a little closer to where they're at. Cal obviously is a better team than ASU, but they're not USC. So no. they, they are a little bit closer to where ASU is currently. So that's going to be a good metric to, to, to go off of based on how they play against a team that they're not completely outclassed by. Yeah, that – no, this weekend – I think this weekend will be a huge like litmus litmus test litmus test there for the Sun Devils. I think I said it wrong too. It's yeah, it's it's just one of those words that gets. Uh, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Anyway, it will be a good indicator for the rest of the season. Like, what's it going to look like? You know, like is it going to be like it, it, if they go on the road at Cal and they lose like twenty-seven to ten? That's going to be really really discouraging. Um, you know, not like big picture of the program or anything like that, just in terms of this season. Um, but I do, I'll say this. So with the next two opponents ASU plays, the other two, Colorado and Cal, Cal played Washington, Colorado played at Oregon. Colorado was down 45 to 12 at halftime to Washington. Colorado was down like 35 nothing and lost 42 to 6. They got like what happened to those two teams against the elite teams in the Pac-12 is what people thought would happen to ASU against USC. Mm-hmm. But that ASU lost in like it's a weird way to say but like an NFL blowout, you know, like maybe yeah. not even that, but like although I guess USC didn't score 70 points, but <laughs> but it, like it felt like a just a more it was just a much more competitive game. And yeah, granted, the big caveat is ASU played that game at home and those other two games were on the road. But my point with this is like we've saw like if you're if you're just juxtaposing these low level Pac-12 teams up against league contenders, mm-hmm. ASU fared the best out of those three. Now, again, it's home and road matters and. But, I mean, playing at Cal, I don't know if ASU is going to be that, like, 
no one's going to be scared of playing at Cal, you know? Right. And the other yeah. thing is a lot of, a lot of times what happens when you go to Cal or you go to Stanford or go to Boston college and the ACC, like uh, Florida state did, there's just, the atmosphere is just not that good. And so teams like don't get as hyped up to play oftentimes, but I cannot see that being an issue with ASU because they, they haven't won a game. They haven't won a conference game. They haven't, the only game they've won is against Southern Utah. So there's no right. excuses on that front. Like, I don't think I'm not, I'm not expecting that. No, I mean either. And you have like, you're human beings. You have to be aware of the schedule. Like you have to recognize like, Hey, if we don't get this one, I, it's going to be tough. Like we play yeah. some really good teams uh, and you don't want your only win of the season to be against Southern Utah after, you know, a, what was it? A three point win against Southern Utah. Like in terms of wins and losses, I, we are talking about moral victories and everything else and that's all great, but that would be, I, nobody wants that out of this season. And I don't think anybody's more motivated than the players to avoid that. Right. Like they, they have to be. Um, yeah. So if you're looking at Cal, this is probably your best opportunity next to U of A and possibly Colorado. Colorado could get Travis Hunter back that week and just completely that would roll be over big, ASU. That would Maybe make he's yeah. 100%. So, I mean, Cal and U of A, those are the two that it's like, okay, they could get a win these weeks. The other weeks, I, I'm not very optimistic. Like, I mean, I kind of mentioned it earlier, watching that USC game, it never really felt like, Hey, ASU could win this game. They were in it, but you were like, they, they just don't have the firepower that a USC does. And they're not really going to have the firepower that an Oregon has, or I mean, even a Utah has. Like, well, Utah, Utah's, it, I'm not worried for them. It's not firepower. It's we're playing it's, them well, at, defensive firepower. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. And we're playing yeah. that game on the road in November, like at Rice. Good Eccles, luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. So, I mean, that's kind of what it comes down to is this and, and maybe uh, um, UCLA is on the schedule, right, or no? Yeah, they're on the road. I Okay. That I one too, like, maybe, but. Yeah. With UCLA, I don't think they're like that scary, but they're just better than we are. Like they're just a better team, you know? Right, right. And so. Right. And that, there's a lot of that on this schedule. Yes. There's a there lot is. of like maybe they're not USC, but they're definitely better. Yeah, and no. and you could throw Cal into that category too. By the way, like right, there's a I, th it's a winnable game, but that doesn't mean like anyone should be predicting ASU to win that game, you know? Because like mm -hmm. I I was, it was interesting to see ASU as twelve point underdogs. I will say that against Cal, that seems that seems high. Yeah, um, it does. But that that's also like pretty precarious to me. Is is oh like, yeah. Is ASU capable of covering that? They just came off of their best performance of the season. I, I mean, is that a sign of things to come, or is that kind of like, right. you know what I'm saying? So right. I don't well, know. We'll see what yeah, happens. that's the big question out of the USC game is like, how much of this can be transferred into future games? Because you know there was a lot of discussion about possibly going one and eleven last week after the Fresno State game. And now after seeing the USC game, it's like, it, for me, like, I get that USC's defense has its issues, but it's still hard for me to believe that a 1-11 team could be that competitive with, with UFC, with USC, if that makes sense. Because I, we I saw mean, USC I, I, completely blow the doors off Stanford. And, like, that's what yeah. it looks like when a 1-11 type team plays them. You know what I'm saying? I completely agree. And I don't think... I don't think it's the reflection of ASU's talent level in terms of like chalking them up to being a, they're a one and 11 team. I, right. the, on the other side of that also is like, where are the wins? <laughs> you know right. what I'm no, saying? Yeah. Like looking at the schedule, it's like, I agree. They're probably in, in any other conference, which is right. crazy to say, maybe they do get a couple more wins. Cause it's usually like, you know, the PAC 12 and historically the PAC 12 has been just like, they, they 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 kill each other, right? That's why the Pac-12 hasn't had much representation yeah. on the national stage is because they always beat up on, on their best candidates, right? But right. this year, I think it's so top-heavy and there's so much talent. Or not even top-heavy, but much more yeah. like, 
just last week we had six or seven teams in the Pac-12 ranked, right? It was eight. Eight. There you yeah. go. Like it's not even top heavy at this point. Arguably, if you're talking about representation on the national stage, the Pac-12 they had to have had the most ranked teams, right? Uh, this pat yeah, the, the new AP poll came out and there was like seven SEC teams ranked, but I think it's be like a lot of those teams that were it was like three SEC teams in like the final twenty through twenty five, so it's like that can right. change so quickly, but. Though the the point is like they there isn't like you have to find the wins on this schedule and I just do not know where they are. So talent wise, you might be looking at a team and it's crazy to say because I can't remember the last time this was the case with the Pac-12 that that's playing in such a talented conference right now um, for the swan song of the Pac-12, but such a talented conference that it's like I I don't know where they're gonna get that that additional win. <laughs> I mean, yeah. we might catch a team on the right day, who knows, but this uh, it's it's tough to find the wins on this schedule. Well, yeah, I think it so for me in terms of like being a little bit more optimistic about this season, it's not so much like picking off who you're going to beat throughout the schedule, the rest of the schedule. It's more just like if you play like with this level of effort, with this level of competence, like you're just going to nab somebody one game, you know, because teams aren't going to be like that motivated to play ASU either. That's another thing. So I agree. I agree. I, but the thing is, man, like that, that's the, that's the thought. And I'm looking at the schedule again too. And it's like, I mean, you, you would have expected, I, I guess Oregon was probably extremely motivated to play Colorado. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> like going through this schedule, it's Cal, Colorado, Washington, Wazoo, Utah, UCLA, Oregon, U of A. No, U of I know. A is like U of A and Cal are the two games that are like, those could be your shots. And one of them is the last game of the season. No. I um, so, yeah, but I, I, I guess get what so. you're saying, too. No, I, I understand what you're saying in the sense that, like, if this effort level stays where it's at, you're going to hang with one of these teams. But I my thought, too, that the, the thing that I'm struggling with is I don't think effort is enough to make up for the talent disparity with some of these teams. Wazoo looks so good. Utah's no, defense is, is yeah. unreal. Oregon just destroyed – a team that I who knows how good Colorado actually is. They probably overachieved coming in, but nobody thought they'd be shut out by Oregon. You know, right. like it's it's kind of insane how well this conference has performed this year. And I, I that 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 gap between ASU on their best day and these teams on their worst days, I don't know if they're even close. <laughs> well, I mean, I I disagree with that because we just saw them hang with USC so like I don't and the other thing is like ASU last year was bad and they beat Washington a Washington team that was one game away from going to the college football playoff so that is true I I just like I think like I don't know I I I I get where you're coming from but teams can have injuries you know and and ASU like it it It'll probably, I mean, have to be a home game that they win, that they would, like, Yeah. could they beat Wazoo at home? I mean, unlikely, but it's it's more likely than they them could. beating Oregon, or, uh, well, Oregon. It's more likely than them beating uh, Washington on the road or Utah on the road, you know. And the other thing I is, I will that. say this, like, it was a, you know, packed house at Sun Devil Stadium. A lot of that's kind of just because it's USC and uh, parents weekend and stuff like that, but it was a packed house. You could tell they fed off the energy. I think if you look at the schedule for the home games, Colorado, that is going to be sold out. Like people are going to go to that game. Uh, hosting Washington state is iffy, but it, it's Halloween weekend and it'll be most likely a ranked. It, 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 weekend. Yeah. But it'll most likely be ASU a ASU tradition. That's right. Unlike any other. But it'll most likely be a um, Wazoo team. So, like, there'll probably be a good crowd for that game. And then you have Oregon, good crowd for that game, and U of A. So, 
that could mitigate it yeah. I'm, again like not yeah but no i completely agree with you i i get what you're saying too and i'm probably being too pessimistic about it it is college football so much wild stuff happens week to week in terms of parody like you can't really track any of this stuff consistently right um and maybe i'm just giving way too much credit for what i've seen from washington and oregon and utah and I, even colorado to an extent um and they're probably gonna get another win or two maybe um, yeah yeah this is like this is the diff like they they're not going four and eight like i'm not like no, it's three no. and nine two and ten that's where they're at but just, like I just don't think they're just going to lose every game. I, I, I agree. I Let me say this. I would not be shocked at all if they finished with the one win. I, I would not look at that as, wow, this is a very shocking outcome given where we are right now. Right. I would not be surprised if all of these teams, because all of these teams beating ASU is what they are supposed to do, right? Right. None of these teams are supposed to lose to ASU. That doesn't mean they won't, but and, – and things aren't going to go according to plan. That's where I'm like, they probably get at least one more win. But you're 100% right. This is a two- to three-win team in, in the best possible scenario. Where we're sitting right now, I would say three wins is the ceiling. <laughs> yeah. Like it that's, feels that's as good as it gets. Yeah. Well, and that's why – Obviously, the injuries threw all this out of whack, but that's why losing to Oklahoma State and losing to Fresno State, like, that's why those hurt, you know, especially Oklahoma State. Look, I mean, now that we – they're not a good team. And so – Yeah. Yeah. But – And you get, the, you get the lead on them too. And, I mean, we've already talked about that, yeah. but you're 100% right. Is like looking back on those losses, especially those games being at home, right? And then looking at, you know, the road trips that they still have to take and the teams that are coming to Tempe, uh, it, it, those do feel like huge missed opportunities in the grand scheme of, of what they can accomplish this year. Um, it, but again, it's not like they're they're missing out on a bowl game. So, yeah, I guess the Tony, the Tiger Bowl will have to wait a year for ASU to make their triumphant return. Of course. Well, and I think when we end this little part of it, just – just be a tough out for the rest of the year. That's that should yeah. be, and that's what you were against USC. Hundred percent, I agree with that. Yeah. All right. Well, before the game, there was a report from uh, Doug Franz, who used to be a uh, morning show host at ninety-eight-seven Arizona Sports, uh, and he tweeted out that. Ray Anderson has resigned. Um, it was refuted. I'm trying to pull up the tweet from Chris Cartman right now, but what Cartman said was basically, while some boosters uh, are encouraged that Ray Anderson could be gone soon, uh, it's not happening right now. So kind of a little tease. Yeah, okay, here we go. September 23rd, some prominent ASU boosters are under the impression there could be an imminent change in ASU's AD leadership, but I have not been able to substantiate this report. As far as I can tell, Anderson remains in this role. So, the reason I bring all this up is because when you have Cartman, he's not saying like, oh, Ray Anderson isn't going anywhere. It's, I can't substantiate this exact report, but... There are boosters who seem to think it could happen. And that's the encouraging part to me that this could find like, and I spoke about on my last show, uh, again, Cartman went on radio and he said that there are prominent boosters who aren't, who won't donate to anything until Anderson is gone, which is kind of a, you know, I could go both ways on that. Like if, if you really like ASU, you should just donate anyway, but Again, not my money, so whatever. Uh, it's just it to me. It's just very interesting that like there's more and more kind of rumblings about a, about Ray Anderson potentially resigning or being gone or something. You know. Yeah, definitely, and it, it sounds like, based on what Cartman is saying, is is like, 
it's it's not a yes but it's not a no like anytime you get something like that where it's the response is i can't substantiate it usually anything that's anything that's like misinformation is like aggressively denied and aggressively refuted like just extremely right off the bat this isn't true this isn't happening and we didn't get that um maybe doug franz jumped the gun a little bit maybe that's what we got Uh, i know that news came out right before the or maybe like two hours before the usc game right on saturday at least that's when you sent me that yeah around then right yeah Right. So, and I mean, that's a huge scoop. That's a bombshell report, um, especially given the fact that all that we've heard as far as actual movement on that front was was people wanting gone, but no, like, yeah, this could happen being <laughs> being reported up to that point. So I, I'm not saying Doug Franz is wrong at all. I think he was on to something and then it immediately like maybe he jumped the gun and now they have to put the fire out a little bit. Um, and that's kind of what's happening. And that's why it's like, no, nothing is coming out for Cartman to, to confirm again, that's all speculation. You don't really know what's happening, but based on what Cartman was given in terms of like, I can't substantiate it. It sounds like everybody's being, it's, it's more hush hush than it is like, no, this isn't without, without a doubt, this isn't happening. Yeah. Does that make sense? So I listened to, uh, Doug Franz's podcast on monday and on his monday show he referenced his tweet and he basically said like i deserve to be uh blamed for the report because the wording is wrong and i shouldn't have said he's resigned but what he said on the show was something to the lines of what i should have said was there have been discussions in the background about what the steps would be for ray anderson to resign and so and i'm sure that's accurate i'm sure that's accurate Yes. And that like that makes so much more sense. And it makes sense why it was taken down, because it is inaccurate that he hasn't like Ray Anderson as of, you know, September 27th is employed by ASU. So. It's an incorrect report, but. Yeah. Listening to that podcast, it's like, OK, like the wheels are in motion. Um, and. You know, like it's it. It's almost it's kind of weird because it's like people have just been talking about this for so much and you have national people who are like, how is this person still there? And now it's also like, oh, this could be over soon, you know, <laughs> even though everyone's like kind of yeah. just strapped in for it not to be over soon. Yeah, and it's it's cl- that kind of like that corny journalism school dilemma of, you know, should I be right or should I be first? <laughs> and um, you should be right. Um, yeah, hundred percent. And that's that's no. I I'm not I'm not asking. Oh no, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I get you. No, I'm just bringing it up as like that's the classic. Like I know nothing about this field. Here's a dilemma that really isn't even a dilemma, but we're gonna package it as like a thought exercise. Um, you obviously always you emphasize accuracy, and I think now more than ever in the age where you can just click a button and something is live. I, I think reporters and and people in those positions are faced with those dilemmas right um especially somebody like doug franz who's doing something independently if if i'm not mistaken yeah yeah right so he's he's doing something independently and when you're doing something on your own scoops like that can be huge for you right um and and the whole operation that you're running obviously now it, it hurts him a little bit yeah right um, until, until something comes out, I'm sure he he's walked it back a little bit, but I mean, when you tweet something like that, and regardless of your intent, nobody knows your intent. They just know what they're seeing right in front of them. Right. Um, so, so that's, I'm sure there's truth behind what he, what he sort of amended on his podcast and the discussions have happened. How could they have not happened at this point? Well, right. So, yeah. I mean, but given Michael Crow, you can't ever assume that anything logical from the sports perspective would happen. Um, But again, it's like it's so important to be accurate in what you're reporting. Um, We both know that everybody knows that. But that's what's like troublesome. Sometimes you see people at who have held high positions in journalism who have seemed to have forgotten that fact or, or get too excited by like. Oh, I have this scoop. Let me send it out immediately. You know what I'm saying? Right. Well, I don't. So I don't think the thing with Franz is like 
he apparently used to be like one of the people who worked for the ASU radio. He used to, I think he was like the sideline. I don't know, but like that means you know people at ASU. And again, he, he's this is just from his podcast. Right. He said that he talked with multiple people, multiple sources, um, and you know it wasn't all nailed down correctly. But for me, like the interesting thing for me is just that like this might actually happen, you know, like, and it's just, I just wonder, oh, 100%. Like, I just wonder what the windfall could be. Like just with him, it, it, if it really has gotten this toxic, which it appears to have gotten, like what, what is the potential NIL uh, money? You know, what, what is the potential threshold ASU could reach if, disaffected boosters start coming back into the fold you know to me like that is a very big thing like if if it really is this bad you know because I, there's part of me that's like okay like how many people could really be this upset about it but apparently it's a good chunk and it's important people so that's just like that could help like let's just say this happens by the end of the season like all of a sudden that's transfer portal season and ASU has more money than people expect like that could that could really change this roster quickly you know like Ray Anderson being gone it's not going to get a new basketball arena bill and it's not you know like there's still going to be a lot of yeah. other issues that stem from Michael Crow but Michael Crow isn't going with Ray Anderson no <laughs> but if if Anderson is an impediment for whatever reason for people not donating to NIL, people not, you know, whatever, which really is just about NIL at this point. Um, then him being gone, like that could be big. It could be big, you know? And so, especially like you have Cartman, he's got, he's done local interviews on radio stations. And like, he's said pretty clearly that like, it, it would be better for ASU athletics if Ray Anderson wasn't there and he knows what's going on. So, you know, it's just potentially big, and it's something to watch for as this uh, as we roll into the winter. Yeah, definitely. We'll we'll keep an eye on it. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure where there's smoke, there's fire, right? Like <laughs> this, yeah. there there has to be something happening here. Um, so yeah, we'll keep an eye on it. I guess for sure. It's just it's so <laughs> like it's just because like people were just kind of because of Michael Crow. People that, you know, ASU fans were just like, this isn't going to happen. Like, it should have happened already. Should have happened year a year ago, two years ago, whatever. And so now it's just kind of like the adjustment of like, oh, like this, <laughs> this might actually happen. And so, at least for me. So, um, it's just interesting because the thing is like, he's been the AD there for what, since like 2015? Like, it's been, we were... Like it feels like our sophomore year of college or around then, you know, and so like it's been a while. I think you froze out there. That seems like bit. the right time frame. But oh, I was just saying, am I back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Am I okay? Um <clears throat> I was just saying, yeah, freshman or sophomore seems like the right time frame. So 2014, 15, something like that. I mean, I could easily look it up, uh, but if we're just gonna estimate, that sounds about right. I think I think this is an estimation type show, Colton. We're just gonna yeah. We don't we don't do a lot of we don't do a lot of legwork here. Go off vibes. We just kind uh, of talk. Yeah, exactly. All right. We don't well, do a lot of that reporting or sourcing or any of that. <laughs> yeah. No, we don't. But we also aren't trying to be newsbreakers either. <laughs> so. No, we have no. We have zero scoops for you. Yeah. Um, you're just here to listen to us talk and. To see Mark's face. See Colton's beautiful face as well. All right. Well, before we head out, let's give some predictions for the Cal game. Colton, how do you think this one goes? Um, you know, my 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 instinct here, and I don't know how much you trust that as a reliable metric. It's reviews are we'll say reviews are mixed at best when we're talking about my instincts. Um my instinct here is this spread is is too high in favor of Cal. Twelve points feels like a lot for me, um, especially 
it, it comes down to two things, right? Did, is what we saw against USC and the effort we saw against USC uh, sustainable? Yep. Or, or was that like, get up, it's USC, play the game of your life, and then we're, we're primed for a letdown when they get, get to Cal? Those are, those are the two um, the two options here. And then, I mean, obviously you're going to have a new quarterback under center again. So what yep. is Dillingham going to feel comfortable running? I know we'll see a heavy dose of Scadaboo until his legs fall off. He's going to be running the ball. It doesn't, it clearly doesn't matter. Um, he's going to get, he's going to get his, his, his touches, um, which could bode well for us. He seems to be the, the, the engine. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> Again, it's hard because you don't know. You're basically predicting whether or not a team that we have, like, I don't even have have words in terms of like, we don't even know what to expect from them on a week to week basis. To this point, we don't know who they are. They don't really have much of an identity yet. Uh, Dillingham taking over the play calling is like a step in the right direction, but it's hard because what are we going to get? Um, I feel like twelve points is too many. If we're going spread picks, I think ASU covers this spread. No, I'm saying um, like final score. Who wins? No, 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 no. I know. Oh, I'm, okay. I'm working up to it, Mark. I'm, this is my process. Um, Filibustering. Yeah, I think they have to know this is one of their few good opportunities Realistic to win a game. Yeah. Right. And I think that's going to play a role. I think they're in this to the end but I still don't know if they get it done. I think Cal wins by four to seven points. I'm going 24, 20, no, give me 27, wait, 31, 24 Cal. Okay, there we go. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I I think it'll be a competitive game, but the score that's floating in my head is 27, 21 Cal, um, and I'm going to go with that. Look, I haven't watched a ton of Cal. They they have not. I think they kind of threw people a little off the scent in week one by just destroying North Texas. Since then, they scored 10 points against Auburn. They let Idaho hang around way too long, and then they got killed by UW. Uh, but I still think they're – I I think the fact that they're favored by 12 points is like an indication from Vegas that like this could be a decent game, but – Cal's still better. And so I'm, I'm just going to go Cal 27-21. Uh, hope I'm wrong. But, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you on that. 27-21 um, sounds a little more realistic. I got to stick with what I'm going with. Actually, 28-24 Cal. Wow. Okay. All right. Yeah, well, that's I'm a same, coward. Basically. Yeah. I'm, I'm spineless. <laughs> All right. Well, everyone, thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be back in mid, mid, mid uh, next week. And yeah, as always, go Devils.